Welcome to the Friday Men's Breakfast podcast brought to you by the Chapel Podcast Network. In our eighth lesson in our series on the life of the Apostle Paul, Wes White will discuss the sharp disagreement that took place between Paul and Barnabas and the lessons we can learn as we relate to one another in the body of Christ and beyond. So turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 15 as we continue learning how to be imitators of Paul as he imitated Jesus Christ. Excited about this opportunity just just to share this word with us this morning. I'm excited. It's a short text, about five, six verses this morning we're going to look at in Acts um, chapter 15. And so, but just excited because one, I believe this is the living word. I believe it's active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Um, I believe it will pierce our hearts. It'll speak to us. It gives us life. It gives us encouragement. It challenges us. Um, in every area of our life. And so, hey, I'm grateful for you, you being here this morning. If you're watching with us, like Bill said, or later, i um, grateful that you could join us as well. Um, and listen, if you're still on your spiritual journey this morning, you're still trying to seek this thing out. What does this Jesus walk look like? Is here we're kind of looking at the life of Paul. Um, I believe God will speak to you, to, to you this morning as well, has a good word um, for us as well. And so, well, here we are. We've been through the, the if you're first, it's your first time here. You haven't been here before and you're thinking, man, uh, where are we? Um, I'm going to catch us up right now. Here's where we're at. Um, we're looking at the life of Paul. I forget I have this clicker. Um, and one of, the, one of the verses that we're looking at is, is this verse right here. This, just say it out loud for it with me. Be imitators of me as I. And so here we are. This is kind of Paul's goal. This is Paul's desire um, really for us. And so we're looking at his life of Paul and who he was and what he did. And so we're coming to this point in the text here in 15. We just heard from Pastor Dale last week. Um, here's what's happened. Paul and Barnabas have done this amazing first missionary church planning journey. You can call it missionary journey. I like to call it church planning journey. Um, they come back and they give reports. They go to the Jerusalem council and say, hey, listen, all these Gentiles have come to know the Lord. And someone's saying, hey, wait a minute, if they're, if they're converted, do they need to do these things and add these things to the gospel? And, and then, of course, the council said, no, 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 man, we're not adding anything. We're not putting any more weight on them. And then um, as a result of that, uh, they just kind of hang out and uh, they give the letter out. And it says the people were greatly encouraged and so we had this kind of end of the journey. And here's where we're getting ready to pick up. We're getting ready to launch out into the next kind of church planning journey, what, what, what you could say. And so this is kind of where we're at in the life of Paul. Getting ready to enter in, um, just finishing. And uh, if I was a missionary, I'd say, we're, we just finished sabbatical. All right, we just came back from our furlough um, time. And so this is where we're at, getting ready to go off again. And so this is what we're going to look at this morning is this text. And so we're going to pick up here in Acts chapter 15, verses 36 through 41. All right, here we go. And I know there's other verses we need to know, but I really just want to focus on that one because I think this is one that we want to really look at. Hey, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's another verse that we're trying to say, hey, we're trying to apply to our lives while we're here. Um, These are one of the things that we're looking at, Paul. Paul understood this truth, and we'll look at it more this morning. And he had big ideals that Paul modeled a life surrendered to Jesus Christ for us to follow. All right, here we go. I had a title. I took it off. Um, I wasn't very good at picking a title, but if I, I had one, I said, babe, what do you think of this one, man? Because what we're going to look at is what most of you, if you read this text or looked at it before, it's kind of like Paul and Barnabas are about to have this big clash. And so I had like this two biblical heroic personalities clash. 
Um, and we're going to look at that um, today. And so what I want to look at this at first points is, 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 is kind of like this. The gospel moves out together. So here's what it says in verse 36. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and to see how they are. So I want to break this down right here. So he says, first thing I want to notice is just if I, if I take phrase by phrase here, we're just going to walk through this text, kind of like a running commentary this morning. It says, after some days. And when you ever read something, I always say, hey, when you want to understand something in Scripture, context, context, context. It's a great way. My dad always said, hey, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible itself. And so in context, where does this passage fall? And so I want to jump back up really quick and just kind of see where they're after some days. Well, what has Paul been doing up to this point. We know we just had the Jerusalem council um, that Dale talked about, but we did, he really didn't talk about how the letter went out. So jump up to verse 30 with me real quick. I just want to read this. And so when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch. And having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. It's a good way to write a letter. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. Key point there, Silas, we'll learn about him a little later. In verse 33, and after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. Now, your Bible might say next verse is 35. Anybody else say that? Different manuscripts, different, different versions um, have this verse. So sometimes if your ear doesn't have it, you probably have a little asterisk that says, hey, some manuscripts have but Silas uh, remained there. Key thing, because if you read the text, we get here later on, and we'll read about Silas again. You'll be like, where did Silas come from? Same Silas here. He says, but, and then verse 35, but Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord. And then I underline this next phrase, just for me, with many others also. Just think that's a good word because a lot of times we think, oh, it's just about the professionals. It's just about the Paul and Barnabas. But here, it wasn't just them. It was many others also. That's where I go, oh, that's us. Uh, that's you and me. We're the others also. And so here we go. After some days. Well, why after some days? Why, why, why all of a sudden now does, does Paul go, hey, I, I need to go do something? I, I believe it's because that Paul all of a sudden, man, had this, what I call this holy unsettledness. Man, he just couldn't. He, he goes, listen, I, I, and I wouldn't say Paul's comfortable in Antioch. Antioch has been the base, right? So Antioch was his base for the first missionary journey. That's kind of like when they come home, man, this is where they're going back to. And so they're in Antioch and man, they're doing great work. I mean, look, look what they're doing. They're, they're, they're teaching and they're preaching the word of Christ, which I would say is the same thing as strengthening the churches. This is who they are, what they're doing. But Paul says there's some days, man, I, I can't, I can't. Mm, something inside of me is stirring. It just is. This is what it happens. And I always like this question to us. I go, as I've read this, you know, every time when I read a passage, certain things jump out to me. This is one that jumps out to me. This is one that I always go to question myself. This reflective question that I do to myself. I go, Wes, is, do you have a holy unsettledness? Or am I comfortable? Is, is there this unsettledness about me, even to my neighbor or to, to the person across the street or to other people about lostness? Now, in the text here, I, I think we'll see why Paul goes back. So let's look at this. Um, if I had to be like Hunter and I was going to break this passage down, I would say, uh, here it is. We're going to hear the proposal. Then we're going to see the predicament. And then we're going to see the party. That's how I would break this passage down. But I wanted us to go, hey, the gospel moves us out together. Here's why. Because Paul said to, who, who did he say it to? To Barnabas. Well, why did he say it to Barnabas? 
Hey, 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 Barnabas, why didn't he say it to, to Judas? Why didn't he say it to Silas? Why didn't he say it to someone else? Why didn't he say it to Barnabas? So let's just recap who Barnabas is. Um, I don't know if you know who Barnabas is. And so when I look at this text, I think it's important to know the characters so you understand the, the, the kind of the depth that's taking place there. Barnabas, well, he, he was from Cyprus. My guess is he's probably came to know the Lord under the ministry of Peter. We know in, in Acts 4, 36 and 37, it says this Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. That's when early on, when they were selling all their stuff, and of course, we know Ananias and Sapphira eventually, right after that, the ones that got killed um, for lying. But here's, here's who Barnabas is. Barnabas is this person who's called the, the son of encouragement. He was a Levite from Cyprus, important, because we'll look at that here later. Um, but he's also, you know from early on, he's one that sold everything and brought the money. This is who he is. We also know in Acts 11, here, look what it says this. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. And this report came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And this is in verse 22 of chapter 11. It says, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Uh, listen, why they sent Barnabas? Well, when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For, here's talking about Barnabas again, he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. This is who Barnabas was. Like We need to know because we're about to see this clash between Paul and Barnabas. Who was this Barnabas? What was his characteristic? What was his personality like? Listen, he was a good man full of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, which we know is Paul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For the whole year, for a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in, in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So here's Barnabas, man. Barnabas goes, here's the great report, sees what's happening, and goes, I, I'm, gonna go get, I'm gonna go get Saul. And, and by the way, Saul and Barnabas spent a year in Antioch where they were first called Christians. So Barnabas was at this first thing. So Barnabas, and we know about Saul, man, they are like, they're the Moses and Abrahams of the Old Testament. Now listen, the, in the early church, these guys were the heroes. These were giant people in the faith. Also, as you know, we've learned and we learned from Paul's journey, Paul and Barnabas were together. When I preached in Acts 13 and, and uh, as well as Hunter, we knew that Paul and Barnabas, they went through some junk together. They went through persecutions. They went through sufferings. They saw people come. They saw the gospel move from the Jews to the Gentiles. And so they have this ministry together. And so it makes sense. He said it to Barnabas. Also, the reason I read that last text is there, two are always better than one. You and I were not meant to do life together. We weren't meant to do ministry solo. Two are better than one. So Paul, who saw what Barnabas did, said to Barnabas, hey, Barnabas, you kind of picked me up, mentored me. Hey, will you go? So let's look at, here's the proposal. He says it to Barnabas. So what does he say? What's the design of this, this, this proposal? He says, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord. So what's the goal here? Well, the goal of this was, hey, let's go back. Let's not start new work. Let's not just go and say, hey, let's, let's plan a new field. Let's go back to where we were. Let's go back to the brothers. He didn't say other ministers. He said brothers because he understands we're under one father. There's this relational how he sees the people that he came to know Christ, both Jews and Gentiles. said, listen, let's go back and see our brothers. Where? In every city where the word was proclaimed. Hey, that's where we need to go. Let's go back. Let's go do that. 
If I had to pull out a point here, here's my point. Because I think we forget this sometimes. If, if you ministered to someone, you probably ought to follow up with that person. I, I'm just saying, don't call me, don't call Hunter. You follow up with them. You have this very living word just like I do. If you come to know Christ, I always say, you know, like you always say, every good pastor should do visitation, right? That's uh, how I met my wife uh, when she visited the church. But I always said, hey, listen, if you lead someone to Christ, you ought to follow up. Oftentimes I'm challenged. Even the years I've done ministry, when I first did student ministry way back in my 20s, and um, sometimes I'll call back up and say, hey, just want to check on you and see how you're doing. I just think we ought to be a people that follow up. What we call this is discipleship. We just don't come to lead them to Jesus and drop them off. I remember my grandfather talking to him one time. He said, listen, when I came to Christ, no one discipled me. Yeah, I mean, I raised my hand, prayed to receive Jesus, but that was it. No one followed up. I think we ought to be a people who follow up. So you see this about Paul. And I would say you see this about Barnabas as well. And what's he want to do on this visit? He wants to see how they are. This is not like, hey, let's go back and just say, hey, man, how you doing? No, it's more than that. Paul, Paul wanted to see, hey, what is the spirit are they, are they in? Are they, are, they, are they flourishing? Are they living this liberty that we find in Christ? And in Acts chapter 13, that Hunter did a great job. We talked about, hey, listen, now that we have this forgiveness in Jesus, right? He forgived our sins and what the law could not do, he did. And all of a sudden, hey, are you living in this liberty? Are you falling back into this legalistic? Are you affecting the Gentiles who have now come to Christ? How are they doing? What, what, how are they behaving? Are they following Christ? Are they following these new teachings? Are they pursuing holiness? Are they falling back into their pagan ways? He wanted to know the state of the church. Remember, he went there and he started and people came to Christ. And so you have these new groups. So he wanted to know, hey, what is the status of the church? What's going on? What's taking place? It's almost like a, a doctor, right? He wanted to go back and see his, his patients. The good physicians wants to see how his patients are. Why? He wants to see how they're doing. And if there's something wrong, what's he want to do? Hey, I need to figure out how to prescribe something, right? A little prescription to see how they're doing. So this is what Paul wants to do. He wants to see the state of them and say, hey, is there something that they're lacking? Some kind of knowledge or some kind of uh, application? Because they didn't have the New Testament like you and I did. They want to know, hey, what do they need? What do they lack? And so I would say this passage here, my point number one is, hey, the gospel moves us out together. Paul wanted to say, hey, listen, just as you heard Christ, I want to make sure that you're becoming little Christ. C.S. Lewis says this, the church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ, to make them little Christ. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. I just thought that was a great, great quote. This is what Paul and Barnabas' hearts is. He wants to see these new babes in Christ grow and become little Christ. This is why we say Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. This is why. Here's my question. Hey, does the gospel still cause a stirring in you? Does it still move you, motivate you? Or we go, hey, listen, I've kind of got, like I said last time, sometimes we just get over our salvation. Does it still move you to, to draw compassion when you see lostness? It's so easy as more we come into faith. Well, I used to live in the Georgia mountains. Um, when I first saw them, I thought they were amazing. But when I drove through them every day to go to work, I go, eh, just the mountains. You can get used to it. When I lived in Valencia, Spain, I lived by the El Mar. Um, I lived a block from the, you know, kind of the boardwalk. After a while, you go, eh. But when you first see it, you're like, that is beautiful. 
Sometimes that happens with us. We lose that, I call, holy unsettledness. Is there someone you need to follow up with? These are questions I just want us to think as we go through this. Is there someone that maybe God's placed in your path that you need to follow up with that you minister to? Here's my second point, man, which I almost said, here's the predicament. But I want you to the gospel moves in our messiness. So let's look at this. Here's the next section to verse 37 to 39a. It says, now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought it best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement. This is messy. These are two iconic guys, man, that all of a sudden are about to have this huge disagreement. So I always go with this, man, like here it is, right? There's this big problem that's going on. We learned who Barnabas is. So all of a sudden, here's, so Paul makes his proposal. Barnabas says, all right, great proposal. Man, I'm with you. Hey, let's take John Mark. Well, who is John Mark? We heard about him a little bit really early, right? Hunter, you did Acts 13. We talked about, and we know there in Acts 13, like fourth verse, that sure enough, John leaves and goes back to Jerusalem. But, but who is this guy? Well, if you remember when, in the story about Peter, when all of a sudden he got out of prison, an angel let him out and he went to a house and there was a little girl there um, that met him at the door. Well, whose house was that? Well, Acts 12, 12 says, um, this is when, um, it says this, when, we, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark. And many were gathered together and were praying. Listen, Peter went to Mark's house, his mom's house. So John Mark, man, he comes from, he comes from good stock. Even though the church is new, his family was a praying family. They're first generation and so we know John, man, he has some, it's not like he's first generation. His mom, there's people, he comes from a place that understands this gospel, this message. So John, he understood this. We also know that Mark is also the cousin of Barnabas, Colossians 4.10. And when, when Paul is writing, aristocrats is my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. We know that. We also know in Acts 12, it says, but the word of God increased and multiplied and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem. And when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. We also know in Acts 13, right? John assisted them. Then we know in verse 13 that John leaves them. So here's John. This is who John Mark is. He's a cousin. He's family of Barnabas. He's one that's assisted them before. This is, who he's, this is who he was. He comes from a good family. But Paul, Paul don't want to do it. As you read, I don't think it's best to take him. And then you have this. And there rose a sharp disagreement. That word disagreement is kind of where we get our, it's from the Greek word, but it's where we get our word. And I don't even know this word. And I probably won't even say it right. Paroxysm. I know it is. I had to look it up in Webster. Here's what it says in Webster, this word that comes from our, it's almost actually the same word in Greek. Paroxysm is a sudden attack or violent expression of a particular emotion or activity. So when he says this was a sharp disagreement, <laughs> this is passionate, man. This was like, when I moved to Spain, I saw people talk and argue. You go, like Spaniards, they use their hands. Like Italians, they use their hands a lot. They're expressive people. 
So just think about some of the most expressive people having an argument. This is what you have here. I mean, it's, it's all not just verbal. It is nonverbal language as well. I mean, they're into it. I mean, this is like, and we don't know what was said. But evidently in the Greek language, he uses this word. We knew that they, they, they fell to their passions. They fell to their emotions and they gave in to whatever reason why they gave into it. And both of them, amen, they separated. What I want to know is the gospel even moves in our messiness. When I look at this, here's what I pull out from this. I go, here's some good things. Well, let me just stop before I stop there. Let me just ask a question. Just get some. Who do you think was right? They both separate. So Paul doesn't want to take them, but Barnabas does. How many of you guys think Paul was right? Couldn't they both be right in their own way? And that's not my choice yet, man. You can't, you can't jump the game. <laughs> I just agree. It's like, Sorry. all right, well, I'll answer that question too. Hey, how do you guys think? I mean, really, does anybody think Paul's right here not to take him? Does anybody think Barnabas is right to take him? All right, we got three. Nobody want to vote for the greatest apostle of all time, Paul. Just saying, he's one to said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Just saying. All right. Now you're right. And I will make my, I'll make some thoughts here. One commentary says probably both Paul and Barnabas were right in their assessments of Mark. It may have been too soon for Mark to venture out in such a pro-Gentile apostle as Paul, but Barnabas certainly incorrectly saw good raw material in his cousin Mark. There's definitely both perspectives there. But here's what I love. I want to know, man, in the messiness, in this moment of passion, here's what I learned. It's an encouragement to me. I don't know if you've ever had a disagreement with a fellow brother in Jesus. I don't know if you've ever had a fellow argument or disagreement even with a fellow pastor or minister of the gospel. Ben's here and he served overseas as well. And when I served overseas in Spain, I was surprised. The number one reason that people left the field with the organization I was with, and though I found it true of most organization, was because of, not because of hard time adjusting to the culture, culture shock, because they couldn't get a Dr. Pepper, though I heard people leave because of that. <laughs> I kid you not. Uh, most of the people left the field because of team conflict. It's because of a fellow team member. They left the field because of that. Ministry's messy. Here's what I learned. The best of men are but men. We're talking about Paul and Barnabas, right? The best of men are just men. They're subject to the passions just like we are. Another thing is that, hey, good men, they can disagree. They can disagree. And then the problem here was a sharp, this was a passionate disagreement. They can even disagree. Now, I would say that the way they handle it, because in the Greek language, the way it shows how the disagreement, I would say they're probably both wrong in the way they handle it. I don't know why Paul and Barnabas is being as iconic as they were in the faith go, hey, can we get a third party in here? <laughs> can we get someone to mediate this passage? Can we get someone to mediate this and go, hey, can someone help us out? I don't know why that didn't take place, but it didn't. But here's what I know. And I thought about when I first saw this message, hey, let's just jump off. Let's just talk about how we handle disagreements. And I thought, ah, then I'm just using scripture as a diving board. I want to swim in this text. But I will say this. Because we know, and we'll talk about it here in a second, that John, Mark, and Barnabas still have a great relationship later on with Paul. Because Jesus, right? What's the Lord's Prayer, right? You know it, the part says, forgive us as we Forgive others, right? 
just as we've been forgiving. So both Paul and Barnabas have been preaching this Christ who brings forgiveness. They know this great truth. They've seen people go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. They've seen the, seen the captive set free. They understand the power of forgiveness. Because why? Because repentance is very much a self-reflective thing. In our lives, when we have a disagreement, there has to be a part where we reflect on ourselves. This is there a part that I played in this? Paul would go ahead and talk about this throughout his text. But it's also this idea of charity. Charity is when we kind of, we kind of, it, that, that forgiveness flows to others. And so it has to be this both. It has to be this part where there's repentance on my side. There's all has to be this charity side where we kind of pass it to the other person as well. You see, Paul and Barnabas still understood. And as we looked in Acts 13, the power of the gospel. The gospel is this point where you and I were separated from God. There was this great chasm. There was this great separation. There was hostility between you and me and him. While we were yet sinners, Scripture says that Christ died for us. God bridged that gap. He, he reconciled us to himself. I mean, that's the glory. If you read 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, you will see that passage in there rolled out. That this is who the gospel is, that God did what you and I could not do. So we saw in Acts 13 that the law could not do. It couldn't make us holy. It couldn't make us righteous. It wouldn't push us to reconciliation. But that's when Jesus came and made a way for you and I because of the cross that even the sharpest, most passionate, emotional things that we've ever done, even that broken relationship that we think can never be restored can be restored when the gospel enters in to that. That's a glorious thing. The gospel, the gospel moves even in our messiness. Some of my questions I think we walked through, is, is there a hurt that you need to talk about with someone? Some of us here, if we're honest, there's come a point in our life where we've been hurt, maybe by a fellow minister, maybe from a fellow someone else, maybe from a good friend that we thought was the brother of Christ. And we go, man, I have no idea what just happened. And some of us here, we, we were still living with baggage. Some of us here maybe watching and we're still, we're still exploring this thing called faith. And maybe we went to a church and it was a bad experience. There's some hurt. There's been a time when you've been hurt by a good person that's hindered you to move on. Something we need to think about. Listen, there's a lot of guys I start off a ministry with that start off a ministry, man, and left quickly because of the church. And here's my last question. Have you let this gospel into this situation? Listen, there's only one way to overcome that hurt and to see that hurt, that, that wound become a scar that needs to be healed is by allowing the gospel to come into that. Here we have Paul doing that. Here's my next point here, and we'll close here. The last point is, I believe the, go the gospel moves beyond, maybe, maybe say beyond our messiness. I share this with my wife. She goes, she goes, in spite of our messiness. Thankful for my wife, the counselor. But I still like beyond our messiness because it moves us beyond it. It does move in spite of it as well. I don't think it's one thing. So here's what happens. In 39b, it says, and so they separated from each other. Whew. Let that sink in for a second. We read that and go, okay, they separated. Think about it. Think about what Paul and Barnabas have been through. They've been run out of cities. They've been threatened. They've seen people try to poison the people they're doing. Max, when you, you preach, didn't Paul get Thrown out of the city, almost stoned and killed. 
They went through this together, man. Like, and they did not separate. Think about all they've went through and they never separated. But for some reason, this, they separate. I'm still trying to wrap my head around that one. But they did. And only a glorious God can move beyond our messiness and move in spite of our messiness. And we'll see here that he actually will take two people and create two veins of kingdom impact. He says, but Paul chose Silas and departed. Why did he choose Silas? Well, there's a number of reasons he could have chose Silas. Silas, whose Roman name was Silvanus. He was a wise one. He was an official representative of the Jerusalem church and, and taken to Antioch, the decree of the Jerusalem council. He was a Roman citizen. He was a prophet. The church Antioch knew him well. So both Paul and Silas, as you see here, were commended by the brothers to the grace of God. Pare Saul was the one that wrote for, for Paul. And so he probably had a good handle of the Greek language. So Silas, which was also Savanus, um, that we'll read in Thessalonians and Corinthians, he, he was a worthy guy. He was probably more pro-Gentile. He was a Roman citizen, probably easier. Paul had seen him minister. Remember early on, we said that Judas and Silas, he was a prophet. He probably saw his, how he ministered and worked and preached and taught and said, hey. But then again, it goes back to the question, why did he even take someone? If Barnabas didn't want to go, why didn't Paul just go, man, I'm going on my own. Why did he take someone else? Listen, men, two are better than one. Two are better than one. When I, when I looked at this, I go, in spite of the fact that Paul this moment is probably still leftover emotional anger and anxiety, or he's still, his blood's still pumping, his heart's still beating rapidly. In spite of that, he goes, hey, I'm going to practice a thing that I saw mentor to me. Barnabas took me to go preach in Antioch. Paul, Barnabas always takes somebody with them. Hey, I need to, I need to follow the same suit. I need to take somebody with me. So in spite of his kind of his emotional response to Barnabas, there's still as part of the gospel says, and part of his training goes, hey, I am to be a disciple who makes disciples, and I'm going to take somebody with me. What I love about this is that Paul chose. Yes, he chose Silas. But the fact that Paul chose, he still wanted to model the very thing from Barnabas that he had learned even after he had this conflict. See, there's some things that you and I have been taught by some people that maybe hurt us and we go, I don't want to do anything about it. There's still some good principles you can learn from somebody that may even hurt you. Don't allow the great truths of scripture, great truths to hinder you from moving on. I think that impacted me most, the fact that he chose Silas and they departed having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. Some people would argue that the, because of that phrase right there, that the brothers thought Paul was right, not Barnabas. Others would say, I might follow this one. The brothers commended, the, um, they've been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord because here's what they're saying. Hey, Paul, don't forget about that grace. Right now, after this thing, the grace needs to work in you so it can work through you. And so we're going to commend you to this grace because it's something that what grace is, what God's riches at Christ's expense, kind of how we used to summon. Hey, this grace that you've been preaching, that you've been preaching every once, let it apply to your own heart so it can move in you and move through you to be this person that you want to go back and visit these churches. And so, Paul, we're going to commend you to the grace of the Lord. Hey, each of you and I, as we go out, we want to move beyond messiness of life and personalities and relationships. If we're going to do that, we're going to have to allow this grace to move in us so it can move through us. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, or Cilicia, strengthening their churches. Whew. Fascinating. 
Paul, Barnabas goes back to Cyprus, his hometown. Paul goes back here. It's where he started. Fascinating. This is the beginning of the second church planning journey. It starts off in junk. It starts off in messiness. And sometimes we think, man, when there's messiness on the front end, how can anything ever good happen? I love this. This is just real. I love that Luke puts this in this. Before we had this public, now we have this private matter that Luke allows us into to kind of get a glimpse into that men are just men. But he lets us know, even in spite of this, that even in the messiness, God moves beyond in spite of it. And Paul, I mean, Barnabas and Mark go to Cyprus, which we know in legend says they go even move to work into Northern Africa. And we know that what Paul, well, we'll continue to see what he does on his next journey as well. That because of this breakup, this split, he didn't quit because he understood the gospel that he goes on and strengthens the churches. Two are better than one. The church of Christ already has the resources for total world evangelism. But if we go on our, own, on our individualistic ways, solo, we will only have fragment of our resources, our spirit, and the desires of the spirit of God. Hey, you and I are meant to do this together. That's why I gather this passage. We're meant to do life together. And so here's some of my questions, and you can continue to talk about some of these before. But here, here's how I want to close. I think there's the gospel moves us out together. It moves in our messiness and it moves in spite of our messiness. So I want you to think and pray about who the Lord would have you to talk about doing life, gospel life together. Some of us, man, maybe we go, hey, I, I haven't seen it like I want to. Maybe it's because we're trying to do it by ourselves. And even I think about the strategy of planting the next church, I go, man, I do not want to do that by myself. I'll die. I know church planting, missionary life, it could be lonely. We're meant to do it together. Hey, does someone come to your mind? And here's maybe a question. What would gospel life together with someone else look like for you? What would that look like? I think we're meant to do it together. So here's my question in my closing, man. One is, hey, again, is there someone that you need to go back and follow up with? Is there someone that's, is there a hurt that we need to reflect on maybe today and just think, hey, is there something that's maybe hindered me from moving forward? And for me to move forward, I think I need someone else. Every Paul ought to have a Timothy. Every Timothy, well, we also need a Barnabas as well. We need those people in our lives. Who is that Barnabas or Timothy in my life that I need? Or is there another Paul that I need in my life? And who is that? And if you're watching and you're still on a spiritual journey and you're still thinking through this whole thing, I would say this, the first thing that you need in your life is well, what Paul and Barnabas had. Man, that's, that's Christ. That's Jesus. And I would pray that today that you would allow this Jesus who went to the cross for you and me so that you and I could have all our guilt and shame forgiven. Man, I would challenge you to think through that and say, hey, it was today that, man, I need to allow Christ to come into my life and change me and begin this new journey. Just as Paul and Barnabas are getting ready to start their journeys. Maybe your journey first is, I need to get this relationship right. I need to, I need to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins. Trying to, which I mean by that is doing things my own way on my own strength. And I need to allow Christ to come into my life and ask forgiveness of that and commit my life and surrender to him. Maybe that's your first step today. Um, let me pray for us. King Jesus, I'm grateful for your word. I'm grateful for this beginning of this journey. I'm grateful that the gospel, this, this, this truth that you came and redeemed us, you sought after us when we didn't seek after you, that you came. And because of this, it creates a, a holy unstirring in our lives that moves us out, but not solo, but together. 
And Father, that we're just real. You know in our human nature and the way we were created that, man, we're going to fail. And we will sometimes act not in the right way, in the right manner. We'll act in some of our passions. But in the midst of that, your gospel is true and it works in our messiness. But Father, I'm grateful that you don't leave us in that, but you move us beyond it to still have great kingdom impact, that you're not done with us. There is no one that you just put up on the, on the shelf. No, if we're still breathing, that you still want to use us to move beyond our messiness and to show other people who are living in messiness that there is hope. And God, there's someone who's listening here today that still is waiting to make a decision to follow you. I pray that your spirit will minister to their heart and continue to draw them to themselves, to yourself. So Father, bless our conversation, our questions. Help us to think through this text, this living word. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Friday Men's Breakfast Podcast. Hope you will join us again next week as we continue learning lessons from the life of the Apostle Paul. For more information on the Friday Men's Breakfast, please visit wcchapel.org slash men's breakfast. Have a great week.